This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to Hans Shop First. I'm Jeff, joined as usual by Scott and Alex. Say hello. Hello. Hey. This week, we're talking about the producers. Where's my blankie? This movie came out in 1967. Might be one of the oldest movies we've done on here. Uh, Directed by Mel Brooks, written by Mel Brooks, starring Mm -hmm. Zero Mostel, Gene Wilder, Dick Sean... Kenneth Mars, I don't know anybody else in here, Estelle Winwood, Lee Meredith, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's dad. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was going to ask about that. <laughs> did, did you guys catch uh, uh, William Hickey? I don't know. No, everybody's next was pretty clean. <laughs> uh, so he, he was the drunk in the bar with them. Okay. Oh, okay. Them. Yeah, like he, I was going to ask like about that. He had like a too. renaissance as, as like a weird old man that showed up and everything for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Uncle Lewis from uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. No, I did not. <laughs> for a second, get my stogie. For a second, I thought the, uh, the, the assistant to the director was the same guy from Enter the Dragon. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't. Yeah. Well, I was blown away when the director was Mr. Belvedere. Oh, is that him? Yeah. Wow. That I did not. Him I did not recognize. Yeah, I was looking in the credits and they kept showing him. Well, who the hell was he in this? And I, he was, uh, well, I don't know. Is that really him? Well, I guess so. Yeah. Wesley. Shit. <laughs> Wesley. So, okay, you guys didn't get it. I only knew because... I saw the credit. I was, I was looking at IMDb while we were watching it, but or I was watching it. Springtime for Hitler. No one's there. All right. Uh, whose movie was this again? Alex? Yes. Alex's, yes. All right. What's your history with this film? Uh, it's one of those movies that I've always heard of, but I never watched for the longest time. Uh, I saw trailers for like the Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane remake and i was not interested in that at all but then you know later on i learned that this was like one of mel brooks's first like movies i don't know if it was his first movie but it was the first one he directed i believe it's his first movie directorial yeah mm -hmm. and gene wilder was involved probably probably the first movie that he was they worked together also and kicked off their career together so i thought you know what you know it's a mel brooks movie how you know you got to watch it. You got to give it a shot at least. And I was not disappointed. You, you can definitely see him cutting his teeth here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll go next. I have also never seen this, this movie version. Um, but it's one of those things that's just kind of out there in pop culture. Like, I don't know if you remember, there's a season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Where it's very meta and Mel Brooks is having Larry David play the... I think he's playing the Max character because he wants it to bomb because he's tired of this being <laughs> such a popular Broadway show. And I think what's his face from Friends is Bloom. I, it, it was a whole thing. So I knew it from that. 
Uh, my cousin was actually in a small local theater version of this as well. So I've seen a, an actual live version of this in person. But this is the first time actually seen. Who, who was your cousin? Um, uh, she was uh, one of the girls in the springtime for Hitler okay, performance. Okay. <laughs> she was in the had, like, the swastika. <laughs> no, I think she was like what dressed up with like beer uh, yeah, mugs yeah, on her yeah, jugs yeah, or yeah. something. I don't know. It was something like that. Uh, okay. Stuff. She didn't have a big part in the movie, but it was still fun. I uh, Side note, we were sitting there and they were selling. I was with my brother and sister-in-law and they were uh, Annie. Obviously, you guys know. Um, they were selling, excuse me, <coughs> beers at intermission. So I got a Bud Light or something. And at one point, I forgot it was underneath my seat and I kicked it. And it in a small theater. I mean, this is 30 people tops. And this thing just rolled. Ding. 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 It was so obvious. <laughs> the guy playing Max like stops. <laughs> oh, the milkman must be here. He like totally improvised <laughs> it during the show. Brian and Annie are like, stupid Jeff. I'm like, shut up. They don't know it was me. <laughs> that, that's like the worst because every every clink, like there's a small part of you that's like, maybe it'll stop there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So anyway, that's my experience. Scott. Uh, yeah, kind of like what you're saying, always was aware of this. Uh, we'll say this, this is very interesting as, as a huge Mel Brooks fan. Um, I've certainly seen bits and pieces, but uh, I don't think I've ever sat down to, to watch it all the way through. Um, and it, it is interesting, uh, like this, this actually, this movie makes a lot of sense watching it after his other stuff, mm-hmm. um, just to, to get a sense of, of you know, Mel Brooks as, as the director and the, and the filmmaker. Yes, I, I agree. I, well, without well, I'll talk about it later, but I agree. So let's get into it. As usual, we're each going to talk about seven items. Scott, or we sorry, Alex, what's your number seven? My number seven is Hold Me, Touch Me. Hold Me, Touch Me. <laughs> the whole <laughs> opening was fantastic. You get uh, you get exactly a little peek, uh, a window at exactly who Max is at this point in his life. <laughs> Just bamboozling little old ladies, playing with them, quote unquote, uh, to get like little scraps of money and stuff to fund his his plays and whatnot, and he's you know scraped in the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. He's barely making ends meet. Landlord just takes that last check. <laughs> oh, it's great. Pictures of all the old ladies that he has in the little cabinet, <laughs> and then Gene Wilder just walks in, <laughs> doesn't know what to say. It's fantastic. It's a great opening scene. All right, well, I'll go next. This opening scene sucked, and I hated it, and it took forever. <laughs> it was way too long. Like, I watching credits for 20 minutes, and I did not chuckle any of it. And I, I guess this is where I was going to start earlier, but I'll say it now. I could definitely see the Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder genius in this, but it does, it does not hit very much for me. And there are definitely moments, but... I can see where their genius came from and all this stuff, but this movie was very slow and I did not laugh off. The pacing was off and I think seeing it live might make it a lot better than watching this. I can see why the musical is a little more talked about than the actual movie. I don't know. I did not enjoy this intro and that was just the beginning for me. Oh, dang. Yep. (laughs) Scott. Okay. Uh, My number seven. Uh, This is uh, similar to... Uh, my number seven from another movie that came out around the same time, uh, The Planet of the Apes. My number seven was Nova. 
Here, but number seven is Ula. <laughs> <laughs> Honorable mention. Yeah, just uh, um, absolute smoke show. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, was, was shocked by I have never heard of this actress before. <laughs> just seeing her in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's easy on the eyes. She's very easy on the eyes. But uh, <laughs> more, more kind of more interesting, though, to, to the point, though, um, you, you could see where where Brooks had this this kind of joke in his head that he wanted to get through with the, this, you know, with the accent and and the way that she looked, um, and he carried that out in uh, in, in both Young Frankenstein and in uh, Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. Um, they're almost all like Terry Gar and um, Madeline Kahn are almost the not not the same character, but. Um, just a, a, him working through that that joke of 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 like what that who who that character is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting to to see like the the origin of that in 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 her directly. Um, and, he, and there's some other things in the movie like that, uh, but I think none more so than her really. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, yeah, he just they wanted what what was this rated? I mean, it couldn't have been rated R, right? But maybe was it? They just elude, like just like constantly well, showing well before, her. Yeah, well before ratings. Yeah, it's it's edgy in some ways, and and they had to like PG. dial it back for for a couple other things. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I don't think they could really like Brooks couldn't have done the, the full on maybe uh, like the gay jokes he wanted to do, and I think it's probably for the best. <laughs> but um, yeah, like there's there's a couple there's a couple edgy things going on here, and that's actually. Uh, my number six when we get around to it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's start our number six. Alex. It's springtime for Hitler. The actual song. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's only your six? Yeah. yeah, I know. But that song is <laughs> horribly, and the number, the dancing is very offensive, but also it goes around to be like very funny. And it's like, I can't believe somebody wrote this. I can't believe the song was written. And it's being performed in front of me right now. Yep. I, oh my I, gosh. I definitely agree. More to say about it. Uh, same here. All right. That's where I'll stop. All right. Um, as Scott was talking about uh, the gay stuff in this movie, the gay jokes that do not age well. Um, some of it was pretty cringy and over the top. Yeah. And, I, again, I, I think I think they like the, the movie saved just by the fact that they couldn't do everything he wanted to do. Like, mm-hmm. like as like as funny as I still think like the, the scene at the end of Blazing Saddles is, like, I don't think he could have done that level in 1967. Um, and I think that saves it from this. Cause it's like, it's not that weird when he, when he shows up wearing the dress and, and, and Gene Wilder's kind of freaking out. Like that joke doesn't definitely doesn't land in 2000. And, no. Like, yeah. not without like a lot more setup, like, you know, for it to be a surprise somehow, like other than just him being in the dress, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and they they kind of hint that 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 they're gay, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it was, yeah, again, it's it's a good thing it was late sixties or it could have been much worse. This could have been like a a thing that that we we kind of just hand waved. Uh, instead, it's just like a little awkward. Yeah, yeah, it was just a little, like, a little cringy. Especially being this month and all. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> Scott, 
Number six. My number six was uh, again. This goes, this goes back to Mel Brooks, not not done with the joke. Uh, you know, we brought this up when we did Blazing Saddles. Like, can can a joke about rape be funny? Um, you know, I I don't want. I don't think I'm definitely not qualified to answer that discussion. Um, but I did laugh at the beginning when the, when uh, she's on her way, when the, the old woman's on her way out, and they're doing all the different little role plays. And she says, oh, next time we'll, we'll do the, the rape of Lucretia. I'll be Lucretia. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I'll be rape. <laughs> that, that did make me laugh. Um, you know, I like that. That seemed to me like super fucking edgy for 1967. Yeah. Like, I wonder how, like, I feel like that one kind of snuck in. Um, you but know, there's the, like rape jokes and blazing saddles, no, no, right? That's, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I meant by... He wasn't done making that joke yet. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, you know, I laughed the ones in Blazing Saddles too. Like, I, I, I honestly don't know where the line there is. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 the only thing I can I can really think to say about about that is, you know, anybody short of Mel Brooks probably just don't even try. <laughs> like, don't even think about it. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that. that and, and again, it's all subjective. Like I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's there's people out there that that do not find the humor there, but um, in in the wordplay more than anything else, really. But uh, mm. yeah, I did mm-hmm. laugh at that joke, and I and I was surprised, that, you know, for 1967 that that they said that right at the beginning. All right, uh, Alex, number five. My number five was uh, the speech at the end in the courtroom scene. Uh, I thought that was pretty sweet, <laughs> even though he was saying all these horrible things about Max at the end. It was like, oh, he didn't hurt me. He didn't hurt all these ladies back here. <laughs> Just defrauded about their money. But they all seemed very happy, and they even clapped at the end of the speech. They're all very sad that Max had to go to jail. The end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my number five already mentioned the cameos. Well, I mean, not cameos, but Mr. Belvedere showing up and Jerry Seinfeld's dad playing, I don't know, Hitler's right-hand man in the springtime for Hitler. I recognize him. And then it only took me a second. I was like, oh, that's Jerry's dad. Mm -hmm. All right, Scott. Uh, My number five is uh, that this is a, a, like, it's staged like a play. Um, and I'm always, I've always, I'm always fascinated with with movies that are effectively just just filmed stage plays. Mm-hmm. Um, like really, other than them taking that trip kind of through the park and and wherever that fountain is, uh, this could all be easily be sets on on a play. And I'd, I've never actually seen the the actual play for the producers, so I, I don't know how the the scenes change for for some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm always like fascinated with the, like the kind of the one room where like there's a lot of dialogue and then, and then people coming in and out of the room and that's, that's kind of how the action is staged. Um, you know, you, you do get the, the whole actual, uh, I guess, I guess it'd be a musical at that point, not even really a play. Um, you do, you get the musical, um, you get the shots of the audience and things like that, like that, that you really couldn't pull off in, in, uh, in, in a play, but, um, yeah, I'm always interested like that, and this is uh, also going going back to seeing uh, Mel Brooks, kind of his his uh, evolution. Um, he, he basically like 
through his throughout his career, he's taken different swings at, at kind of different genres. Um, you know, this is Broadway. Um, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever seen silent movie. Um, it's more directly about Hollywood. There's actually a lot of overlap between that movie and this one. Um, but, uh, in, in kind of the, the, the themes there, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, young Frankenstein blazing saddles where he does horror, um, like literary horror and a Western, you know, eventually he gets up to like space balls and Robin Hood men in tights, you know, taking on kind of the, the, the folklore action and, uh, and, and sci-fi. Um, so the, the, it's interesting. This is like his, like, Mel Brooks's lens on on Broadway, and then Mel Brooks's lens on on horror and 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 the West and and all that. Um, and it's interesting um, if you, if you really think about it. Like uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of nerding out on that as I was watching the movie, like thinking about that. Yes. Okay. Yep. Alex, number four. Um, my number four is <laughs> is uh, LSD. <laughs> He comes on this. He comes barging to the wrong audition, and uh, th- th- this is pretty much the beginning of the end. It's like this is where it's like okay, casting LSD was the exact wrong thing to do if they wanted their plan to. Spoiler alert: if they wanted their plan to succeed, and <laughs> gave uh, an awful audition, I guess. But I, I don't know. I liked it, <laughs> and then it, just the performance that he gives us, Hitler is. is yeah, phenomenal. I I did laugh at his his fucking boots. The, the, there's only a couple of shots where you actually like see those swings. Like, like I I don't think people were wearing those even back in 1967. Uh, that was hilarious. Yeah, no, and then, I don't think so. And then so. the uh, the Campbell soup can around his neck, as as like I'm sure that was a nod at like the Andy Warhol, uh, you know, New York scene back then. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Oh, Love baby. Beat, beatnik stuff, yeah. All right. Uh, my number four, uh, Scott already mentioned it. It was Ula. I have WTF the receptionist. Yeah, it just comes in to <laughs> be hot and mm-hmm. gratuitous shots of her short skirt and her boobs and everything. It, was, it just kept happening. And then they opened the door and she's still dancing out there. And, <laughs> that uh, was great. Was, <laughs> I, I did, I, I was did awesome. laugh when, like, like, yeah, get coffee for the guy that's trying to kill us. <laughs> oh, what kind of coffee do you like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, cafe? Oh, black, two sugars. Wow. <laughs> Would you like some champagne? No, I just ordered a coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Scott, number four. Number four is, uh, you know, I, 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 I'd like to think that Mel Brooks was going for something here with like uh, some kind of takeaway. Um, about literally about producers, um, about about that end of thing and about that end of things in show business, um, and I, 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 you know, I, I bet he would have handled it better in in like another five years because the, the the edit was not as sharp as it could have been. Um, maybe, maybe it was just the the settings. I don't know. But uh, when uh, Max stands up at the end of the court scene and goes. Uh, uh, we also promise we, we've learned our lesson. We'll never do it again. And then it cuts to the prison, and they're they're running the exact same scam, uh, yeah. having having learned absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just I I, I got to think this was a, a some commentary on on the 
on on people you know that were producers in in Hollywood and television because at this point Mel Brooks is coming off of like uh, Get Smart right. Um, that and he was like an old skit show back in the day too. Yeah, right? like yeah, 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 yeah. He got he, he you know he was doing TV um, before that, so um, you know I'm sure he dealt with a lot of those those kinds of personalities and mm-hmm. um, I, I actually have no idea what like his if if he had much experience with the actual Broadway, but um, maybe his wife did or his future wife. I don't know when they got married, um, but at, at, at any rate. Um, yeah, I just, I like that, that they do learn absolutely nothing, uh, you know, as, as like all, all producers <laughs> will not learn anything from, from the, you know, just never taking responsibility for anything. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Alex, number three. My number three is... That play, oh, the play just itself, how everybody was hating it and everything. And I love the turning point that I think is like the best part of the movie for me when they're in the bar, they're drinking, they're buying drinks for everybody in the bar, which is just, you know, one other guy, <laughs> one other inebriate, inebriate, fellow inebriate. And then everybody comes in laughing their heads off. It's like, who would have thought you'd end up loving? It's like, oh, they, they could be talking about any other play. <laughs> who would have thought you'd end up loving a play called Springtime for Hitler? Yeah, and they're singing it as they leave the bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fantastic. Like the, right. the, the, yeah, the emotional change in their faces is amazing. Yeah. Okay, uh, my number three is the like the beginning of the casting session for Hitler when they just all the different <laughs> Hitlers are standing yeah. around. That was hysterical. <laughs> One guy's like in a, just a gym outfit. The mustache. Yeah. <laughs> they all have the mustaches, obviously, and just all the different versions of it. I was mm-hmm. no the dancing Hitlers go over here. <laughs> yeah, the dancing Hitlers go off the wings. We're only taking the singing Hitlers. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the, the more ridiculous lines ever uttered on film. <laughs> yes. So that's my number three, Scott. Uh, my number three is is Kenneth Mars here as a uh, as Franz Liebkin. Uh, this guy this guy steals the show um, here. Uh, he's he's great in Young Frankenstein as well. Uh, but uh, he's he's the first of the three characters that is genuinely funny right off the bat. Um, took me a little time to warm up to um, to the other two. Um, yeah, just just constantly wearing the helmet. I did laugh out loud when, when they cut to the court scene. He's in like the full body cast, and he still has the helmet on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, just just him uh, <laughs> doing the the, the Rala song, and then switching to the, the Star Spangled or whatever whatever the song was. Um, and then the, they sing the song in the kitchen that that, he, that Mel Brooks again. Uh, uses like he uses like fascination with Germans here. Uh, mm-hmm. They sing in Blazing Saddles. Uh, oh, the Ya Ya song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just it, it was it was like a a kind of uh, slightly dialed down Colonel Clink. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. 
I like when he was going, but he was upset with the changed dialogue. Hitler does such a baby. And then he goes backstage. Can I help you? You can go unconscious now or whatever he says. He just knocks him out. That's good. All right. Uh, Alex, number two. My number two is Max Bialystok. I I love him as like this sleazy, just theatrical Broadway producer type character that would do anything, you know, for money. <laughs> and he kind of does. And it's just the whole look of him. Oh, Zero's and nobody's named Zero anymore, by the way. But Zero's like really ranted. Hello there. <laughs> uh, ranted comb over that he has from all the way to the back of his neck. <laughs> it's like, oh, he looked like he was sweating buckets on every scene. Uh, he was just that's awesome. Loud, larger than life, and just super scummy. Um, I, I, do, I, I do want to take a second to talk about the actor. Um, so Zero Mostel, Mostel? I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but uh, mm-hmm. he, he was famous for, for being like the, the original... Uh, Spanky. Not Spanky. Oh. Um, uh, Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof. Um, but uh, at any rate, he... He's also famous for something that uh, I think is worth mentioning in that uh, in the, the the 50s when they were doing all that, that House and Americans bullshit, um, he was one of the people that called before Congress because um, um, he was accused of attempt or of, of uh, participating in like communist rally or something. I, I don't know like that end of things, like he actually did or oh. not. Um, but the you know Congress got up to grill him, and you know ask him like, who who do you hang out with? Who were the other people there? And you know, still, uh, you know, modicum of, of politeness back in the the fifties, he basically told them all to go fuck themselves, um, and he got blacklisted himself for that. Um, but a lot of respect for that, like he didn't back down, um, and by all counts, he made uh, everybody that you know got up there in Congress trying to to grill him look bad. Um, which probably wasn't that hard to do at that point, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he wasn't he wasn't taking any of their shit, um, and so that that earns a lot of respect for me. Nice. Uh, one thing about him, be you guys, someone said being loud, like that was one thing he kind of annoyed me, especially earlier in the movie. He's just constantly yelling like every single line, and that was yeah. yeah that goes back to the whole play thing too. Like yeah, yeah it yeah, does. Yeah. But I don't know. All right. Um, what was that? That was your number two, Alex? Mm-hmm. All right. My number two is... Oh, where did I lost my spot. Oh, the, the concept of this movie. The whole... Just two producers trying to... Well, one producer, but two producers trying to make a, a movie. And if they make it bad enough, and they suit all these people. They'll come out ahead. And just that whole thing. And then trying to cast the worst... You know, buy the worst script. Buy the worst director. The worst actors. And mm-hmm. going off without a flaw. And then it's so bad, it's good. And screwing them all so cool concept mm-hmm. Scott number two uh, number two is the, the Hitler casting call <laughs> it's so so ridiculous and I love the the little newspaper ad they show right before that uh, that says uh, open call for Adolf Hitler no previous yeah. experience required <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> actually I, I paused uh, and rewound it to see what it actually said and laughed but uh, no previous experience required that was good. All right, Alex, number one. My number one is Gene Wilder. You can see with this performance here, 
And with uh, Mel Brooks's directions, you could see what he would later, you know, grow into in the realm of comedy. But his performance here was still my favorite as being very neurotic, which uh, eh, I mean, did Gene Wilder or uh, Woody Harrelson do it first? The neurotic Jew character. Woody Harrelson? <laughs> Not Woody Harrelson. The other guy. <laughs> Woody Allen. You were talking about Woody Allen? Yeah, the pederast. That guy. <laughs> Woody Harrison. I don't know. I, I would. I, I. I don't know that I'd really compare what Wilder's doing here all that much to things that I've seen. No, Woody, but, Woody I mean, Harrelson do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's been stereotyped before, like the neurotic uh, accountant who happens to be Jewish as well, uh, character who's been. Uh, what do, you, what do you call it? Well, I stereotyped, I guess, but re- overused in media and comedy shows and whatnot. But was this the first? I don't know, man. I have yeah. no idea. Neither. I'm just saying. Uh, he did sound like Pretzi every once in a while when he was getting, <laughs> <laughs> he was getting a little bit loud. Uh, oh, but yeah, uh, whenever, whenever he would like break down and get really upset and he had these blanky, it's like... You could tell that he was unhinged. He wasn't, you know, his marbles weren't all there. Uh, yeah, Gene Wilder. Awesome. All right. Uh, my number one is the springtime for Hitler. The song, the show, everything, just the whole ridiculousness of it um, made me laugh. Um, that, yeah, that's basically it. Springtime for Hitler. Number one. First and last time Hitler's going to be number one on my list. <laughs> uh, Scott, number one. Uh, number one is uh, also the the musical that first that opening musical number of the of the play. God, that whole thing is fucking inspired. Uh, mm-hmm. just, uh, like the guy coming down the, the steps to start, and then the how catchy the song is. The springtime for Hitler. <laughs> And Germany, and then like you said, the the women dressed with like pretzels and beer, and they're all in SS uniforms. I think that maybe laugh out the most, laugh out loud the most is when they have the overhead shot and they form yes. the swastika. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, only Mel Brooks would come up with that shit. Um, and like at the end of the song, they're like they're flying all the the swastika banners in the background, and just the look of horror by the <laughs> the audience. Uh, yeah, and like those pillars in the back, like turn into like gun turrets or <laughs> yeah, tank yeah, turrets. Cannons. Yeah, it's so, oh, it's so hilarious and it absolutely holds up. Mm-hmm. That one guy that claps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they all stay <laughs> All right, uh, any honorable mentions? I don't really have any. Oh, Carmen Gia gets an honorable mention for me. Oh, yeah, the guy's name is Carmen Gia. I forgot. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that was great. All right. And with that, uh, we'll rate it. As usual, we rate on a scale of between one and seven, one being garbage, seven being perfection. Alex, what do you I'm, score this movie? I'm going to give this a five. I mean, it's one of uh, Mel Brooks's first foray into movies, so it's not perfect. It's not great, but there's still a lot of really good nuggets in there. There's still... Stuff that had me at least smiling, if not laughing, throughout the whole movie. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it a four. It's a low four. 
it's really it's really generous on my part. I'm only giving it <laughs> that high because I got to think of the time. I mean, this came out like 10 years before I was born. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here I think we take for granted that it was probably edgy back then, I think, as you were saying. And just now it's like it's not even that funny or whatever. I, I, I did not laugh that much during this, but I see the Bell Brooks in it. And there was enough stuff in it that at least maybe chuckle to not dislike it, I guess. So mm-hmm. four for me. Scott. I think it's a five for me. Um, enough, maybe laugh. Uh, but more just, just how interesting it was to to see like like the different parts that the Mel Brooks would would use here and then and then improve upon later. Um, so yeah, five definitely worth a watch. All right. Did you guys happen to catch his cameo? And it was really just a voiceover. Yeah, it was, okay, so yeah, he was one of the um in in the dance number, sorry. Yes. In the, yeah, the opening song. Yeah, yeah, it was I, I didn't go back to look at it because I figured it was that, that they just did a voiceover on a guy. Um I forget what the line was. But yes, I did recognize yeah, his voice. Was, yeah. his, yeah. his voice is so distinctive. You're like, oh shit. And that's so why I went and looked it up. And then he's like, he's uncredited, but it's definitely his voice. All right, and with that, it's time for a crossover topic, which is what, Alex? Our top five money-making get-rich-quick schemes. Okay. That's right. That's my list, but this is really hard. I, I'm sure I'm cheating all over the place on this, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see what you guys got. Yeah. All right, well, all what's right. your number five? My number five is in the movie 21, Student college students go to Vegas to uh, be really good at blackjack, at counting cards. They use math to win, and that's all I know about that movie. <laughs> I'm sure okay. nobody's thought of that before, but they tried it. They win some money. Okay, well that actually leads into my number five, which is a scene from the movie Hangover. Oh when... damn it! <laughs> I should have. I didn't think of that. When Zach Galifianakis, I forgot his name in the character, but Zach Galifianakis goes out there and counts cards and wins him a bunch of money. Because we are three wolves living together. I forgot his mm-hmm. name. But anyway. Wolfpack. Hangover is my number five. Scott. Uh, so, I had a hard time with this list because I was working off yeah. of uh, top five money-making schemes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But any at any rate, uh, the first one is, <laughs> isn't that what I said? <laughs> no, you said get you said get rich fat get get rich quick schemes. Well, yeah, it's schemes. Who wants to get rich slow? It's just money making schemes. Um, at, at any rate, uh, it's something I, that I saw recently that kind of stuck with me. Um, I think it, it's it's probably been like a year and a half, two years since I actually watched it, but um, I think it was direct to Netflix. But it was called The Laundromat. Um, and it was this, this series of vignettes that was tied together by Gary Oldman and uh, um, uh, assassin guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, fucking Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Um, you talking about Jack Palance. Assassins. Assassins. Ah, assassins, assassins. Um, I'm an assassin. So, uh, <laughs> that the, they would have their own, uh, like, like little rappers in between these vignettes, um, about basically people 
enacting all these uh, all these laundering schemes, um, and the whole thing was was all about the the Panama Papers. Uh, just to keep things topical, um, and it had, it had this huge cast of like recognizable people. Um, uh, besides the two I, I just mentioned, um, yeah, it's 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 worth a watch. Uh, I'm I'm surprised the whole Panama Papers thing just kind of blew over. By the way. Cause fuck all those people. <laughs> that's, that's all what I have was, to say. What were the Panama Papers again? It, it was basically a bunch of financial documents got released about people, like basically hiding and laundering money in offshore, like oh. shell bullshit kind of things. Yeah, like a Screw lot them. of people, a lot of money. That's right. And it kind of all like, eh, like it just kind of went away. Fucking assholes. Anyway, <laughs> all right, uh, Alex number four. My number four is the Sudden Valley uh, development, uh, real estate development from Arrested Development. Sounds like a salad dressing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sudden Valley sounds like a sinkhole, right? You went about to say, what about this? He's like, yeah, I could see marinated my chicken in that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the one that ended up with uh, George Michael in the, uh, in the rocket pant suit, right? I think so, yeah. And it's one of the best inappropriate jokes of all time. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then the giant mole with Tobias in the giant mole costume. <laughs> These buildings aren't up to code. They are far substandard. <laughs> Goodbye, Tobias. Um, all right. So my number four, I felt a bunch of heist movie came up came up for this for me, right? That's a money-making scheme where I get quick rich. But I didn't want to fill it with heist movies, so I'm just going to do yeah. one. And uh, I did Ocean's Eleven because I think that might be my favorite heist movie. So yeah, I love the setup for that. I mean, the whole movie is just one big setup of the scheme and mm -hmm. as you see it executed. So that's number four, Ocean's Eleven. Scott. Okay. Uh, my number four is uh, uh, Payback. Uh, it's the Mel, a different Mel. <laughs> yeah, Mel Brooks. Yeah, no, no, not, not Mel Brooks. Uh, Mel Gibson. Uh, Give me back my son. Not, not that one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, that was a quick reach scheme on the other side. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> you might say it was a ransom. Whoa. So, um, <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm not going to break down the whole plot, but uh, it was interesting um, how, like, the lace he went to. And his ultimate plan to, to get his money back. All right. Alex, number three. Yeah, okay. I mean, he wasn't making money. He was getting it back. But all right. I'll allow it because I like that movie. Uh, number three is Homer and Grandpa Simpson going to business together to sell Simpson and Sons revitalizing tonic. Hmm, I was trying to come up with the Simpsons one. Couldn't couldn't quite get anything I wanted on my list. That uh, that's that episode really stands out because <laughs> Homer has a really good line <laughs> in this episode where he's like, I'm, the, I'm through with those get rich quick schemes from now with this scheme. I'm sure to get rich and quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just make this bathtub medicine type of thing and it works. It, re it certainly revitalizes the whole town. And Barton Milhouse think it's reverse vampires. Thanks to Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number three is the movie Trading Places. 
and kind of the end part of the movie when Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd figure out what's going on and they do the whole reverse thing and stealing the crop report and doing all the Wall Street stuff that I still don't get to this day. But (laughs) It was the Dukes. Yeah, pretty cool. We have to do that movie one of these days. I haven't seen it in a while and I loved it as a kid and I didn't understand a lot of it. So Mm -hmm. there it is. Probably shouldn't have watched that movie that young. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some great New York babes. <laughs> but yeah, Trading Places, my number three. Scott. All right. Uh, my number three is also Trading Places. Oh, wow. Nice. There we go. All right. Well, then on to Ale- uh, Alex, number two. Uh, my number two is Catch Me If You Can, where he was literally making money. <laughs> uh Leo was forging checks. He was uh, at the end of the movie. Spoilers. He was uh, at a uh, makeshift like printing house, printing press, just printing his own money. Awesome movie. I've never seen that. Oh, you should watch it. It's fun. It's, it's good. Yeah. Is that Spielberg, right? Or no? It's Spielberg, Tom mm-hmm. Hanks, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm hmm. Leonardo that's like Leonardo, like after Titan. That's Leo after Titanic, but before he like blew up to be kind of like the like in the Scorsese movies and everything, right? He's also got Mm -hmm. Christopher Walken playing his father. Did Leo have a watch? He does. (laughs) All right. One point. They sell watches. On to my number two, <laughs> uh-huh. which is from the I movie know, Office Space. Oh, and, damn. That's, oh, shit. That's good damn, that was good. Shit. That's them hacking and taking a fraction of the penny and rounding up, but they, they're off by a goddamn fraction, uh, decimal point. It goes out of proportion, but cool thing. And I could say slash Superman 3 because that's where they got the idea, but I won't include that movie on there. Mm-hmm. So Office Space, number two, Scott. Uh, my number two is uh, UHF. So uh, less of a scam, but uh, definitely a a scheme. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, agree with that. They've they've got to get a lot of money together, so they have the the uh, the pledge drive uh, to raise. It was a hundred grand, right? Probably not. Probably wasn't even that much. It was like fifty thousand. I forget how much it was, but no, I think it was yeah. A hundred grand. Like yeah, a hundred grand. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Alex, number one. My number one involves time travel and a sports almanac. Nice. I did not think of this at all. Good call. Yeah, Marty McFly has a Tim brilliant Burton's idea. Tim the apes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He has a brilliant idea in 2015 to buy a sports almanac so that when he goes back in time, he knows all the scores and he can make a bunch of money. He can't lose. But then Doc Brown says no. I didn't have time machine to make money. Throws the thing away. But Biff, yeah, he overhears everything and he steals that idea. And now we're living in that fucking timeline. Yeah, where were the time enforcers to make sure that branch didn't grow too far? That's <laughs> yeah, what I want to know. Well, it's like that was supposed to happen. Thanks, Owen oh, Wilson. Okay. 
All right. Uh, my number one is the entire series of Breaking Bad. <laughs> nice. He's got, you know, you guys didn't see it, but it's not spoiling because it happens set up in the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. He's dying of cancer. The, the medical bills are piling up. He can't make enough being a high school chemistry teacher. So he uh, decides to make and sell meth. And it leads to some hilarious adventures. <laughs> uh, remember that guy melted the bathtub? Classic. Yeah. That's like episode two, I think. Yeah, yeah that's as far as I get. <laughs> what the heck? You guys are missing out. I know. But yeah, Breaking Bad. Watch it if you haven't. It's a great, great show. Um, That's about it. So Scott, what's your number one? Number one is The Sting. Uh, I've never ooh, seen it. Which is about, that's good. It's about yeah. a sting. So I'm not going to spoil it for you, but uh, there is definitely uh, a scheme going on there. Mm-hmm. Multiple schemes. Indeed. Okay, any honorable mentions? Uh, damn, I forgot. All right, well, I had three, but two, I cut, they're kind of the same thing. It's Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I thought about that the, one. Yeah. yeah, and then Slash Casino, because what the hell? Yeah. They're, they're kind of similar movies. Um, Boiler Room. Movies. But the other one I had just is this moment from a South Park episode with the gnomes stealing the underpants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Collect underpants. Question mark. Profit. Mm-hmm. Best ever. Any others? Uh, Frank from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Just always running a sweatshop in Vietnam. <laughs> That's good. That brings like Seinfeld, like Kramer, all his get quick. Quit? Get quick rich schemes? Mm-hmm. Get rich. I'm saying it's that wrong. Like driving the bus, the tour, around, or the real Jay Peterman tour. <laughs> yeah. Um, the stuff that he gets that goes in business with Frank, the bro. <laughs> the manzier. The manzier. <laughs> the bladder selling, system. The rusty. S- selling Morty's old cabana wear and all that stuff. All right. And with that. It's time for Alex Knows Sports. I'm Alex, and I like sports. Sports ball? Uh, if you uh, are used to rubbing some shit on your baseball, you better not do it. Umpires are going to call you on it and suspend you for 10 games. Paid. It's a it's suspension. So it's they rough. haven't said that snot was illegal. <laughs> they haven't. But if you're using sunscreen and pine tar, those are... Definitely are. Definitely KY is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vaseline. Uh-huh. Icy hot. Icy hot. What was, what was that? Was that all the stuff that what's his face for Major League? Yeah. Crisco. Bardo. Yeah, Vagisil. Yeah. Vagisil. Yeah. <laughs> and he does put, if bumps are watching me close, rub a little jalapeno in my nose, get it running. And if I need to load the ball up, just wipe my nose. You wipe snot on the ball? Don't got an arm like you, kid. <laughs> but this is more the sticky stuff they're talking about in baseball right now. That tacky or whatever, where you can basically just... Yeah, so I think it's called like spider tack. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Spider tack, spider tack. I think I've seen some stuff where they literally... The guy can just touch the ball at the top of his hand and he can lift it off the ground without actually gripping it. Like, that's how sticky some I, of the stuff I, I heard somebody say... Like something like this the other day, and it got me thinking about how hilarious it would be if, like, 
a pitcher through like a because it's it's supposed to help you with your breaking stuff right or to put moving on the ball anyway um mm-hmm. yeah, how, spin. yeah how how hilarious it would be if they like put too much on and it the ball moved where the catcher didn't think it would so he it was a pass ball but the ball just like stuck to his to his chest plate <laughs> i mean that happened last year scott to um last year or two years ago to um did it really so yeah molina oh well, molina. yeah yeah that is at the time, everyone just kind of laughed at it, and now people are talking about it again because they're saying maybe that's what <laughs> happened. This is this whole like I I don't want to get too into this, but like this is kind of Molina, horseshit, by the way, on, not Molina. On, like yes, I I don't think I, I think there should be rules about this, and they should be followed for the most part. But like, how how is the league all of a sudden like? Oh, people are are gonna like put the spider tack on the ball. Fuck that. The Astros are fine. Oh, they can keep playing. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like we're tough because you don't fuck with Major League Baseball. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, although I have to wonder, um, you know, as, as Angels fans, uh, I think I think Dylan Bundy was one of the people that was getting called out for this even before the scandal. And then all of a sudden he maybe decided he would stop and he sucks this year. So, yeah. hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There it is. Unfortunately, the Angels pitching staff and management have been way worse than cheating lately. So, we ain't got much to talk yeah. about. Yeah, that's the they got the perfect defense. <laughs> they suck. Do you think we're going to see a series of kids with broken arms because their dad wanted their arms to heal in a certain way so they could be rookies of the year? It's it time for Neam News. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. I kind of wanted to see where we're going with that, but okay. Uh, <laughs> the answer is no, of course not. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, not a lot for me other than a certain MCU show, which we will circle back to in a minute. Yeah, Moon Knight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fuck uh, yeah. So, uh, Alex, anything you wanted to go over? Uh, not really. I, I went back and played god of war 3 i'd never played that before uh, originally came out on the ps3 and i got the i had i've had the remastered version for forever i just never played it uh but yeah it still holds up it's a really fun action game fucked up <laughs> kratos is uh, doesn't really become the hero until <laughs> the the fourth installment in the series he is definitely a villain uh up until the very end uh yeah it's a great game i recommend it i still do the whole trilogy all right anything else i can't play that oh yeah luca luca is great the new pixar movie it is a lot of fun it's not the boy yeah it's not a a heavy existential what what is the meaning of life type of movie (laughs) it's just really fun great villain Man, all the fucking pasta looks so good. I'm so hungry. <laughs> but yeah, I recommend. All right. Uh, Jeff, anything you want to go over? Not much. Uh, just the one thing I just wanted to say over the weekend, I was watching some TV and I think because it was Father's Day, they were showing the Godfather trilogy like on loop on one of the channels. Oh, what a great dad. Yeah. 
example. And uh, I watched. I would. I was in and out, but it's so good. That's all I got to say. And there was some stuff I still didn't catch. Like you had in and out. I never knew. Sorry, I didn't know that Roth. Whatever I forgot his full name in the movie, but the guy who's the bad David guy Lee. in Hi, the Michael Roth. Corleone version. He's one of like uh, Vito's like slackies. In the yeah, they were old-timey. they were smart for cutting out that because that was dumb. Oh. That, that's in the, the like the extended, like uncut whatever. Oh, is it? Where okay. like the kid comes up and he's like, "Oh, my name's like whatever," and they're like, "You need another name. We'll call you Hyman Roth." That sounds Hyman like a Roth. badass name. Like <laughs> <laughs> dangerously, just like, like dangerously. The, it, it was like when they go back to to Sicily and he's like personally killing people and like he kills a guy with an oar and it's fucking hilarious. Like they were smart to not like <laughs> the adjective. Whoa, whoa, whoa! He killed someone with an oar. I don't remember if he did it with the oar. Maybe he just hit him over the head with it. Hmm, that just sounds like, like something we did. Yeah, that I mean, sounds like leap year. I mean, it was it was it was. I mean, leap year was clearly using that as inspiration. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, they, they they some of the stuff in the extended version was was better left not being in the movie, <laughs> including the Hyman Roth thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will say this every time I I love Godfather One is my favorite. Godfather Two is close, but Godfather every time I watch Godfather Two though, I still learn something new because I still that is the most convoluted it thing is. going on for me. I, and every time I'm like, okay, how does he know Hyman Roth? And when's he when does he figure shit out? And every time I watch it, I gain a little bit more knowledge when I watch that. I think I've almost got it. I still, I still I'm still fuzzy on a couple things. Like uh, yeah. um like yeah, when 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 exactly does Michael figure out that that Hyman's gonna have him killed? Exactly. Like There's that, things like that, that. Yeah, like at that I'm unsure about. Um when when the when Frank Pantangeli um they have the, the the attempted assassination, um was that actually Michael or was that the Rosados or whatever? Was that Hyman Rock? Yeah. I'm I, still I still unclear on that one too. Yes, exactly. Because um, that kicks off the whole thing, but at that, yeah, whatever. We'll do that when we do Godfather Two at some yeah, point. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's all I did. So on to the, the whole thing with the governor. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Loki episode two. All right. Uh, so uh, pick picks up right where it leaves off next week. Or last week, um, this time we we get. I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh. I'm not even gonna try, <laughs> but uh, the the judge lady, um, he, he's being she's being sweet talked by by Mobius by Owen Wilson uh, mm-hmm. to try to let uh, Loki participate after he tried to pull that scam last week, um, and uh, they there's a lot of exposition in this one, um, le- less about uh, Loki learning about himself, but uh, you get you get more of uh, Mobius kind of losing his patience a little bit with Loki, um, so that didn't last long with mm-hmm. <laughs> with the, the whole Zen thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, i I was a little disappointed when they when they did their test run to when Loki figures out that uh, that the killer who they the other Loki that they're they're trying to, to track down um, that Loki the lesser Loki out, just to be clear the lizard Loki yes <laughs> they're trying to that, that Loki figures out. And this is like one of the big reveals that um, 
that they're whoever this other Loki is is hiding out in different apocalypses because the apocalypses will wipe out any trace of any time variance. Um, so it's like safe to hang out there as long as you get out before the the whatever bad thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so they figured out. So they did the test run at Pompeii. Um, all Loki really does is like give a little speech, have some goats run out. And they're they're both like, oh yeah, no time variance. It's like, uh, you didn't really do that much. Like, <laughs> like I figured it needs something a little more grandiose. I, I don't know. I'm um, so a little disappointed with that. Uh, he spoke Latin though. He did yeah. speak Latin. Yeah. Um, and then yes, the the uh, the eruption. I did I did like how they were both excited about it happening. Like, <laughs> about how uh, how uh, all these people are about to die and they're excited about it. Uh, a little bit about uh, Owen Wilson being enamored of jet skis, even though he can never ride one. Um, as Loki starts to go to work on him about like maybe you could. Uh, there's there's some questions about like the philosophy of the timeline and all that and free will and, and that stuff's mm-hmm. that stuff's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I feel like not a lot happens. Uh, they figure out the the hiding out thing, and then they uh, they they go. To they, they they figure out an apocalypse that makes sense that this person would be. They go. Um, it turns out that the Gump was there to lure them there, which Loki should have seen coming from a mile away. Maybe he did. What What do you guys think? Do you think he knew it was a trap? Mm, no. Yeah. I don't think he did. But yeah, I got I got the impression that he didn't because he does seem surprised by everything. Yeah. Um, but I think Loki should have seen that coming. Because, like, as the audience, it, it seemed pretty obvious that she planted the... Oh, oh spoilers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that the other Loki um, planted that gum there to, to in order for, to help them figure it all out. Um, yeah, but this Loki is so egotistical and being right, he probably wouldn't even think that far in advance, right? He's still trying mm-hmm. to... Pr- show how smart he is figuring this yeah, out that... yeah yeah it's, it's it's obviously that he's capable of being tricked um, yeah. but it seemed like such a uh, or even for Owen Wilson's character it seemed like such a weird thing for like evidence to be left behind like an out of character cuz like they they don't really make it seem like uh, the other loki's doing anything nice for people really um you know I feel like giving candy to a kid um seems like a fairly benign gesture i, I don't know uh, but at any rate, yeah, they go to the future Walmart <laughs> mm-hmm. um, during a, a, like a catastrophic hurricane off of where, where was it? Alabama. Um, I think yeah, it was New Orleans again. New Orleans, so, somewhere in, in like the twenty thirties, forties. At any rate, they they show up there with a squad of time variants. Um, well, a sure squad enough, of with one. Yeah, sure enough, it, it 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 is a trap. No. Um, and uh, Loki, who who the the angry TVA woman, I don't know her name. Does anybody know her name? I didn't catch it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, either. but the one that's basically like been hounding him the whole time. He's he's been there. right. Um, like the two of them like partner off, and uh, like Loki even like warns her, like, "Hey, that could be a Loki. Like this other person acting weird." And uh, sure enough, it is another Loki. They it turns out this Loki can like possess people. Um, it seemed like there were some rules to it. Like it, it only lasts for like a short amount of time. Um, I felt but, like the other Loki was just releasing the control to go to another person. Maybe, maybe, maybe. 
uh well i maybe we learn more about that but uh loki mm. seems to know what it is and he says it's clever the i think he calls it an enchantment um but anyway he keeps telling this other loki to come out because the other loki is just basically puppeting people um and you find out that there's all these tire devices set up in the store you don't know what they are exactly um and then they finally have the big reveal um that the other loki is not in fact another tom hiddleston uh, it is a woman. Uh, Much to Scott's dismay. Uh, yeah, I know. Holy shit. Anyway. Uh, I actually called this last week, I believe. Yes, you did. You did. Lady uh, Loki. So, and she seems much more... Um, I, I don't know. She more smarter. Maybe smarter, conniving <laughs> yeah. um, than him. Um yeah, less less uh, <laughs> less about the attention. <laughs> Although she seems to have a little bit of that too. Um, but yeah, she outsmarts Loki. She outsmarts everybody else. She basically, um, in the most important thing that happens this episode, really, um, she sets off all these pun intended time bombs mm-hmm. um, that that send off so many different uh, branches or, or variants in the in the timeline um, that the the people at the TVA freak out. And that was a cool scene. Uh, when they when they see all the, the branching, um, yeah. and everybody like they they go Defcon one, and you see the Judge Lady grab. It looked like the, Missile Command. Yeah, yeah. Every night stick, um, and then the uh, episode finishes off where the 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 woman Loki, uh, who was, we'll just call other Loki for now. Uh, other Loki goes through a portal, time portal, and it stays open, and the our Loki Tom Hiddleston just stands there and looks at it. And then uh, you wonder what he's going to do. And then Owen Wilson runs up telling him to stop. And then, of course, Loki goes through. And mm-hmm. end scene. So uh, I, I enjoyed this episode as well as the first one. Um, I, I still feel like it's missing something. Uh, and I, I think I just need Loki to be impressive in some way. And he hasn't really been that. Um, the character's still fun, um, and uh, some some of the the banter is fun. But eh, need him to do something that like makes him feel more like the the other Lokis, and it hasn't really happened yet for me anyway. I, I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, just hasn't had his shot yet. He'll get his chance, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but I, I definitely feel something's missing too, and. I also felt at the end of this episode, it, for the first time, it felt like I was watching one of my WB shows and not an MCU movie. Uh, her reveal, some of those scenes in that warehouse, it just, it didn't feel, it felt like it, I don't know, I kind of felt like I was watching Arrow or Flash again. So I don't yeah, know what I need, that you, means. Yeah, you bring up a good point with her. I need I need her to do something like really impressive. Like, yeah, she outsmarted everybody, but it's all like off camera. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so i need her to do something to show um like i need, I need her to be our our baron zemo <laughs> for this case. right um, is dancing 10 hours of her yeah <laughs> whatever it takes uh i did like when they went back in time to to invest no not back in oh yeah back in time to investigate something and you Based on the scenery, you think it's something medieval, but then it's more like it was in the 80s or 90s, but it was a Ren Fair. I just thought it was cool. Little, <laughs> it was great. I was like, man, gosh. if they're going to the Renaissance, this is a really cheap yeah, set. I did, I did oh, like it. Oh, I get it. 
did like that people were um, upset that uh, that the one woman was upset. That, <laughs> Some of us need this. Yeah, yeah. That they, they were they were playing along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then one of the years they did go back to was 1985, which has to be a callback to Back to the Future. Not a callback, but a reference to. It's got to be right. Yeah, it's time yeah. travel. So that was cool. Um, yeah. I'm going to keep watching it. I'm not abandoning it like I did Bad Batch, but it hasn't hooked me the way um, the other two MCU shows have. So we'll see. Um, I do like the cast. I mean, at least Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. Um, I do yeah, like them. They got good chemistry together. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think we kind of said it all there. Like it's it's good, but it's missing a little something and. I don't know. And when he wrecked his salad. <laughs> I know it's an old it's an old hat. It's an old joke, but I still laughed at it. Yeah. Have, have we you, did what? Have you guys watched uh The Good Place? I have not. I've okay. only seen a couple episodes. Okay, I remember what I was saying. But uh Yeah, that yeah, that that, that bit uh is, is still funny. Mm-hmm. Wait, just read a salad with the with the explanation. I like the one got a juice, it. like a juice box. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm that, gonna eat that. that. It's my salad, man. I really wanted to eat that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We shall see. Yep. I'm, I think know, there's only still... six episodes of this show. Yep. So, so they, they, oh, really? Things, wow. Things yeah. are really going to move fast in the next episode, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I wonder, the, the only thing I'm left wondering is so you, you get. Loki um, basically saying that uh, he he's trying to work an angle to take over the TVA. Uh, wonder how much of that is is true and how much of that was him trying to manipulate other Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think it's like probably half and half. <laughs> I don't, I think we'll learn what his ultimate goal is. I don't think we know what it is yet, other yeah. than just. Breaking free of the TVA somehow. Yeah. And I think this whole... Some some of these branches are going to... Probably over the next couple episodes, they're going to save most of these branches or stop most of them. But one or two of the end are going to leak through. And I think that's going to have a big effect on the MCU as a whole at some point. Mm-hmm. Interested to see that. All right. Anything else? Uh, nope, nope, I'm good on this episode. Uh, looking forward to the next. Still not a fan of it being on Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you haven't already, please go to patreon.com slash Hans shop first and subscribe. Give us a buck. Yeah. Do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, listen to our stuff. We got quotes from Springfield. We got video game trivia. We have a little bit of Jeff Tuck Star Wars. <laughs> a couple episodes of Bad Batch. Not many. Um, but yeah, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. We at Hans Shop First would like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. We would love to hear from you. So feel free to contact us on Facebook and Twitter at Hans Shop First. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated and help us get more exposure. Once again, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Thank you.